Gentlemen, welcome to No Budget Nightmares. This is Mo. He's a bad film hating while I skating all the while masturbating. That's, that's Mo Pawn. Yeah. yeah. And with me, as always, is the one and only Doug Tilly. He's bow, Doug bow, Tilly, bow, 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 number bow, one super bow, guy. Bow, bow. Happy New Year, Mo. <laughs> <laughs> Hot dog. Hot diggity dog. At the time we're recording this, it's about halfway through January, Mo. But this is our yep. first episode of the year 2019. We're still living in the future, the year of our Lord, the year the punk broke, 2019. Um, and we're back, Mo, with another episode of No Budget Nightmares, the podcast that you and I both host. Hot dog. <laughs> That's our little intro blurb <laughs> for anyone who doesn't know what's happening. Just to position yourself, to zero yourself in reality. This is a podcast about ultra-low-budget, shot-on-video, and no-budget movies and movie-making, Mo, except for this episode. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, this is one of those special cases. Oh, you're not going to add you know, anything to that? It's just one of those. We're, we're actually one of those one special of those, cases. Well, it's one of those special cases where we're being forced to watch a film. Thanks. You know, I, I I almost sound like I'm like like angry about that. I'm really not. I, I absolutely appreciate the fact that somebody would go so far as to uh, as to donate enough to our Patreon so that they can choose the movie we watch. It's just that we have a very bad track record mm. with those so far. Uh, but and this is no real exception. It's this is an interesting one. Um, I mean, it's, it's it, yeah. There's. I was just going to say, in, in the past, we've had people like have us watch their own movies, a couple of examples of that, and sometimes just movies that they wanted to hear us talk about, but this one's kind of unique. We talked about this to, to some extent at the end of our most recent episode, but just as a quick kind of summary, this was chosen for us by a listener named Tyler Sharp, and Iowa is a movie from the year 2005. That's the movie that we're covering today, Iowa. And uh, Tyler, I guess, is from Iowa, and the director of this movie, Matt Farnsworth, came to where he lived in Iowa to to make a documentary or actually a couple of documentaries about meth, Mo. Everyone's favorite drug, meth, right? I know it's I know it's my favorite. Right. I'm scratching right now. Top 5 is what I'm saying. And top 5. <laughs> so I I guess Matt decided to stick around and direct this movie called Iowa, which is also about meth to some extent. And uh hmm. they had a screening, a big premiere screening of this movie in this town and Tyler was there, and his friend owned, I guess, the theater that they had the screening in. And I guess it did not go very well. <laughs> that's that's what I hear. And Matt, the director, Matt Farnsworth, he then went back and re-edited the movie. And eventually, uh, I guess it played at Tribeca, and it uh, was released. It had a theatrical run it, to some extent, and it got released on DVD. And there's a version of it out there called Iowa, which came out in 2005. 
But we, Mo, were sent the disc that I guess was, or a copy of the disc that was in the DVD player at the cinema. Uh, so we're watching the, I was going to call it the director's cut. We might call it in the title of this episode, the director's cut. But it's really, I guess, almost like a work print to some extent, except it's completely finished. There's no, like, uh, unfinished audio or soundtrack right, or anything. Right. It really is yeah. the director's cut. It's just that he thought better of it once people actually saw it. <laughs> Proving that anybody can learn. Hey, you know what? I, I can't really knock that. And this is not, yeah. despite the fact that someone chose for this, chose this for us to watch, I don't want to use this as an opportunity to just tear into this movie or this guy just because of that, you know? I don't want to come at it with no. a negative attitude. And e right. even though we were told that story before Mo and I watched the movie, you know, I, I still go into this with, look, here's the thing. I'm going to go close to the mic now. Our listeners, they're kind of stupid, right? Mo, you would agree with that. <laughs> what? They can't tell what's good and what's bad. They listen to this podcast. They're, they're, their opinion on that is skewed wildly. So we can't trust them. <laughs> You know what? The fact that they listen to this podcast is almost proof enough that their that their uh, choices in life are questionable. But also, I think in this case, the humor or the 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 kind of strangeness of the situation that we just described is kind of very specific to this location where this guy lived and grew up, right? And it, there's something kind of fun right. about watching a movie and like recognizing the surroundings, and especially when it's about the place where you live or grew up. So I was worried that yeah, maybe... That, that's how I... Mm. I was going to say, that's how I feel about Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, so I was worried a little bit that we, the, the humor wouldn't come across to us if there was any humor or that we just would not find it that amusing. Uh, and in fact, right. in some ways, that's the case, Mo. I, did, I was not amused by this movie really at all. Not in the slightest. Yeah, no. <laughs> but, uh, but I do think it's going to be interesting to talk about. Now, the other thing that we need to mention that we did mention briefly at the most, uh, on the most recent episode is that this does not fit into the description of our show and our, our – uh, ethos. I mean, we are here to talk about ultra low budget, no budget shot on video movies. This is none of those things. This is a movie that had a budget, has professional, recognizable actors in the cast, like actual mm -hmm. famous actors like Rosanna Arquette. And I mean, we'll get to them in just a little bit. Uh, and this is a movie that like went to festivals and won awards. So it, it does kind of take us out of our comfort zone. However, I am reassured, and I'm sure you were too, Mo, by the fact that this is a very bad movie. It's fucking <laughs> awful. It's a really awful, bad... I, w I mean, it's not incompetently made like some of the movies that we cover on this show. It's a movie. Right. It's, you know, and it's more of a movie than some of the movies that we call movies here on No Budget Nightmares. But it's bad in that... In that more unforgivable level, because this is a movie that had resources and professional actors and professional cinematographers, like the people who should have been able to make this interesting. And also, this is a movie, Mo, with a message. It's, it, it is about the, the dangers of meth, Mo. Uh-huh. It sort of is. I think it's supposed to be a cautionary tale, <laughs> but it's not. It's sort of like a cautionary tale mixed with, like... True romance or, or or Badlands or like it's trying to be something more than that, right? W which means at times it seems it almost glorifies the thing it's trying to condemn, right? Well, that this is one of those movies where you're trying to. So one of the most important things that that you hear, you know, 
like if you ever watch videos talking about like the important things about writing a story or, or making a film or whatever is to have a relatable character or mm. a character you can empathize with, you know, and this movie just lacks that. Like, who are you supposed to empathize with? Like the girl's dad? I mean, I, I guess, <laughs> but he's not the main character. He's in like three fucking scenes. He's in like three <laughs> scenes. He is the only character that seems to be, have, have some real decency about him. But boy, did he fuck up how he raised his daughter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but wait, I have a question for you. Have you ever done meth? No. No? Okay, I'm just asking. I don't know much no. about it. Like, now that I'm a uh, a druggy mo, because I sometimes smoke marijuana and do edibles, now that I'm what? in that mode, right, that I'm a drug person, I feel like oh, I just... It almost feels like a gateway, you know what I'm talking about? It's like a gateway. <laughs> like, you mean you mean like 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 you're trying to say like like smoking the marijuana mm-hmm. leads yeah. to the harder drugs. Oh, look, I I just feel like there's like a all I can see, I close my eyes, there's a gateway in front of me. I can open up the <laughs> gate, go through, and there's meth and cocaine and like all this fun stuff that I could be doing that I never even really thought about before. But this drug that I now use is like is it's like opening that gateway. That really says something. You know, like <laughs> I feel like I feel like there's a phrase. I feel like there's a there's a really important phrase that I should be saying to you right now. Um it's like three words. Uh, just say uh, Bo. Bo does there we marijuana. Go. Yeah. <laughs> that, by the way, is a reference that nobody's going to remember what the fuck I'm talking about there. Mo, this is a movie uh, directed and written and starring Matt Farnsworth. Mo, have you gone over to the Wikipedia page of one Mr. Matt Farnsworth, born August 16th, 16th 1978? Uh, I I have not, but uh, but I I hear tell you have. <laughs> well, let me read you just a little bit. Matt Farnsworth is an American filmmaker and non-competitive bodybuilder. <laughs> <laughs> he is the creator of the slasher film The Orphan Killer. Farnsworth also appeared on national television shows Seventh Heaven, Any Day Now, and Jag. Farnsworth has a background in film editing, previously working with Robert Brown. Blah 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 blah. Farnsworth's film style has been compared to that of David Lynch and Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> sure. David Lynch. <laughs> All right. No, we're not here. Honestly, so that's the first paragraph that's on his Wikipedia page. But that is nothing. Because, Mo, have you have you heard of this movie, The Orphan Killer, before? No. I ha- I, I don't think I have. <laughs> it sounds so- somewhat familiar. Uh, but Matt... Or whoever wrote this Wikipedia entry seems mm. to think quite highly of it. Because underneath the orphan killer on his Wikipedia page, it says, The orphan killer became a social media icon, and the character is now considered by many slasher fans as the new icon of the 21st century. The film has gone on to merchandise itself, and the mask the orphan killer wears in the film is a coveted item among horror films worldwide. He is considered a pioneer filmmaker and marketer. Mo. Sure. So uh, it does end. This, this section does say that Matt intends to continue on 
creating more films in the Orphan Killer franchise. I uh, hesitate to mention that Matt has not made a movie in the last eight years. (laughs) And the last movie he made was The Orphan Killer. And the last time he acted was also in that. Um, I should also note that some of the citations on this Wikipedia are sorely lacking. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I did do a little research, and I don't want to tear too much into Matt because he isn't uh, the only problem with this movie. But uh, he is, as it says at the beginning of his Wikipedia entry, Mo, he is a non-competitive bodybuilder, meaning that he's a, he's a personal trainer. He, he is a oh. very ripped gentleman now. You can find photos. He, is, he calls himself a Viking, a Viking actor, Mo, a Viking. Oh, okay. He's a real-life Viking. So, a Matt, don't come, don't, don't come after me with your horned helmet and axes and whatnot, your Viking paraphernalia. I do want to say, though, that his... Twitter account describes him as a life coach, Mo. A life coach. Wow. Have you ever well, you encountered... Know what they say. You know what they say. Those who can't do, teach. <laughs> Those who can't teach, coach. Just going to throw this question <laughs> out to our listeners, our beloved listeners, who are not stupid, no matter what Mo said earlier. Hey, hey. Uh, hey. That's how I remember it. Um, <laughs> that, that I don't think there's ever been a person... In the history of the planet Earth, who who's described themselves as a life coach, who wasn't also a garbage person? <laughs> Secretly, uh, maybe, but definitely just down to their core, their soul is just dog shit. Now, I'm not saying that about Matt, because I don't know the man. He obviously cares shit. a lot. Yes? I was going to say, holy shit, he is ripped. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, Mo, Mo looked it up. Yeah, no, he's, he's a Viking, well, did, Mo. Here's the thing. I did a Google search... Because, you know, Google's a thing for the orphan killer because I wanted to see what this mask new iconic like. mask looked like. And it's it's pure horseshit. Mm-hmm. But um, but as I scrolled down, there's a picture of shirtless Matt Farnsworth. And, yeah, he's very well developed. I mean, I'll give him that much. Whatever uh, criticisms we have about his abilities in this uh, episode, the fact is... He is uh, a big slab of beefcake. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, he's beefcake central. So if you are interested in some beefcake, you can do a little quick search for Matt Farnsworth. And, and I mean, I don't know what his feelings are on people jerking it or, or uh, <laughs> the female equivalent of jerking it, uh, which still involves a jerking motion to some extent. Um, I, feel like, I feel like as a life coach, uh-huh. I, would, I would tell our audience, because I'm a life coach, of course. Uh, I would tell our audience to, in fact, do a uh, a search for him and uh, flick or jerk mm, any right uh, item on your body that you feel needs. I'm, it. I'm just gonna say it, Mo. Live your truth. Live, live your, your truth. Live your exactly. truth. And as Paul as Paul Stanley would say, follow your dreams. You know, I haven't mentioned how bad Kiss are for a while on the show. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'd bring it up. I thought I'd bring it up. Didn't they? Oh, I was I was like. Wasn't there something recently where Kiss were bad again? And then I remember this interview with Ace Freely. Do you know what one I'm talking about? <laughs> I, I, yes. Yes, I do. God. And, you know, and I hate it so much because he's my favorite one. Like, you know, dude, settle down. Although uh, Gene has, uh, has realized that he could make a ton of fucking money in the pot game. So uh, now, he, now he's very pro pot. <laughs> oh, well, I'm good. That makes me feel like I have a gateway as well. 
<laughs> to, to not listening to what he has to say. Uh, but anyway, a gate, as a gateway, to, a gateway to rock and roll all night and partying every day. Uh, but I thought he didn't do drugs. I thought that was his whole deal. He, he doesn't. He doesn't. In fact, I'm not uh, going to listen to someone who doesn't do pot. About right, what kind exactly. of pot I should smoke. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's why I thought it was fucking hilarious. Because I'm like, he doesn't do drugs. I mean, like, the first time he ever tasted alcohol was, like, when he was doing that dumbass fucking reality TV show that he had, you know? I remember there was this fucking interview with Gene Simmons. Oh, and he had a woman a- on his knee the whole time. This young woman on his knee. And uh. they're asking him about his, his opinion on alcohol and drugs. And he's like, drinking alcohol, doing drugs. It's a stupid man's game. (laughs) And he just kept saying that. He kept saying stupid man's game over and over again. His whole philosophy has always been, you know, it's sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Well, the drugs just take away from the sex and the rock and roll. So that's why he's never did drugs. It should be sex, drugs, fulfilling social life, uh, enjoyable (laughs) home life, you know, (laughs) die of old age instead of something else. I mean, you know, just the regular things that we're all looking forward to. Sure. Yeah. Mo, Mo, Full Fathom 5 brings you Iowa, the director's cut from 2005. My God. The movie starts with images of Iowa. Now, Mo, this actually begs a very important question. Have you ever been to Iowa? I've never been west of Pennsylvania, so no. No, I've never been to Iowa. I do. I have noticed in some of the postings that we've made on our Facebook group that it does seem like quite a few of our listeners are from Iowa or have spent a lot of time in Iowa. So I do I'm worry. So sorry. I do worry about insulting because again, I've never been there, I, and I'm from a place that people insult all the time: Newfoundland, Canada. So in some way, Iowa is <laughs> like the Newfoundland of the United States. It appears in that everyone's a hayseed, cracker, fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> But like this movie, I think is designed, and I can understand why this audience who saw the premiere might have been a little bit iffy about it. It's like it's yeah. meant to make Iowa look like a fucking terrible place. It, it makes it seem like New Jersey in a Bruce Springsteen song. It's like you got to get out of there, right? You got to get no, out while you're young. Thing. Here's the thing: they call them the flyover states for a reason. Why is that, Mo? <laughs> because you don't want to land in them. Why? Because they're awful. They're flat. Nobody nobody fucking wants to go to these places. I mean, like, look, I'm sure there's plenty of people, you know, who are big Slipknot fans who love Iowa. And and that's great. Mm -hmm. Uh, Me, it seems to me like there'd be absolutely nothing to do there. I just, but maybe maybe that's just me being prejudiced against Iowans. It sounds like it. And in fact, now that you've taken this bad cop approach towards Iowa, I'm going to be the good (laughs) cop, Mo. And I'm going to be pro-Iowoians for the rest of this. You just called them fucking idiots. I said said I've never been there. (laughs) Look, I also said that about our our wonderful (laughs) listening audience. And I was just joking. Guys, I'm just joking. We're here. This is an entertainment (laughs) program. And that's something I think Mm -hmm. people sometimes forget. So, and except for when we were talking about masturbating to pictures of Matt Farnsworth, do that for do sure. That. And for I don't think sure. that's, I don't think that's something we can get in trouble for saying. So Mo, this starts with I'm images, not. images of Iowa and, uh, and credits um, go on the screen. But as the credits move along, 
some action happens in the background. And I found this all very confusing because I was kind of paying attention to the credits and not the action that was happening behind it because I didn't think it was important. But it turns out, Mo, it was really important. Yeah, it's literally setting up the entire fucking movie, but you have no way of knowing that. So Matt Farnsworth, the director and writer of this movie, is also the star of it, Mo. Who does he who does he play? Uh-huh. Damn it! What? Uh, he plays a character. I don't. Well, I don't know what the fucking last name is. I didn't write it down. Uh, but his name is Esper. Esper Mo. Now that is that a real name? Esper. As far as I know, it is not. It's got to be. I bet I you. Can, now this the, is something. It's controversial mo- because I'm sure people in Iowa are like I know a dozen people named Esper. His last name is. Harvey. I know about a. I know about a dozen Espers down the creek. <laughs> His last name is Hart. His name is Esper Hart, but it's with an E. So it's a, and it's not an H E A R T. It's H A R T E. So Esper Hart, Mo. Yeah. Huh. So Esper works as um, at a factory, I guess, driving a forklift around. We don't really get to see it. We only just well, we see it just briefly in the background. And the movie starts with his father, who I guess he is somewhat estranged from being killed in some sort of car accident, which we also do not see. But I guess the implication is that he was hit by a big transport truck. We get to see his corpse. We get to see someone taking photos. And we get to see Esper in the back of an ambulance. And like I said, Mo, this happens behind the opening credits. So I did not know what the fuck was going on. Right. We also you know, see they, a- uh, mm-hmm. they, they, missed, they missed a real opportunity here with, with naming <laughs> Did the they then? <laughs> you know... Like, honestly, like his last name could have been Anto and it would have been brilliant. Esperanto, I get it. What was that movie that William Shatner was in that was all in? What's like Succubus? Is that what Succubus? Is it Succubus? Yeah. (laughs) No, I think Succubus is a different movie. Or is it called called The Incubus? It's either Incubus. Incubus. Yeah. That's it. But yeah, entirely in fucking Esperanto. Uh, I should elaborate slightly. Esperanto was, I believe, developed as being sort of a universal language for people on planet Earth. And it's kind of funny. They got the guy who was in the TV series that invented the universal translator to be in the Esperanto movie. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, I wonder if that was a point anyone's ever thought of. Anyway, (laughs) Esper's dad is dead. No. Yeah, and then he goes to have a meeting, Mo, with some dude. Uh... So, he has this meeting with this guy. Who is this guy supposed to be? Um, like, what's well, his job? At this, point in, at this point in the movie, uh, I'm assuming he's some kind of funeral director. Yeah. But I don't think he is. I think he's some kind of insurance salesman. Yeah, and he was also taking photos at the crime scene, which was kind of unusual. I. I don't really understand his exact position, but what's important, Mo, is that he is the first professional actor we really encounter with a speaking role in this. He's played by John Savage, Mo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so John Savage, uh, you might know him from um, movies like Hair. Remember the the musical Hair and The Dare Hunter? That's another movie that he was in, Mo. Very, I mean, famous actor, and I do have to say, he has become incredibly prolific over the last few years, like making well, dozens it, 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 it's true. Uh, if you, if anybody remembers the last episode we did, we mentioned that John Savage is featured in uh, the the newest Lazar um, <laughs> Rockwood film. That's true. He's so he gets around this John Savage. But back in two thousand five, he was more. So I mean, people who know me know that I also host a podcast about Eric Roberts. He's very his career is very Eric Robertsy these days. 
And in 2005, he was in this movie playing this guy who basically his his job is twofold. One, he needs to tell Esper that he uh, has some sort of insurance policy from his father that is going to give Esper $200,000 mo. Very important. And that's life-changing money. That's life-changing money. And the other thing is that this John Savage character is the father of Esper's girlfriend, whose name is Donna. So when we refer to him from now on, we'll just call him Donna's dad or Donna's father. Well, I believe his name is Irv. Who gives a shit, Mo? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. We we don't actually find that out until about three quarters of the movie being done. Doesn't so, matter. Yeah. Doesn't. Doesn't matter. Unimportant. Um, Completely unimportant. So Esper, he wants this money. He, he thinks it's life-changing money, as you referred to. He wants to take Donna. He wants to... Uh, it's a death trap. It's a suicide rap. They're going to get out while they're young. <laughs> <laughs> Tramps like them. They were born to run out of Iowa. They have a little conversation. This is John Savage uh, talking to our, our director, lead actor, and uh, talking about uh, oceans. Gosh. You know, he's only retired 10 minutes. He had the RV parked in the driveway... He worked in a factory all his life. He wanted to go out to the coast and, and see the ocean. Which one? Not sure. East, I think. I've always preferred the West. It's a lot cleaner than the East. Scintillating, Mo. Fuck off, John Savage. <laughs> I think I think John Savage is a perfectly good actor. Yeah. I mean, not in this. <laughs> no, no, but no, but he's, he's, yeah. he's, he's perfectly capable. Um, so the only thing about this $200,000, well, there's a couple of things. One is that he only gets it if his dad's piss test comes back clean, because otherwise I guess he was responsible for the accident in some way. So he doesn't get the money. The other thing is this money has been earmarked to go to Esper, not his mother, who was estranged from his father, but his mother is very interested in the money, Mo. Mm. Describe his mother to me. Well, I mean, if I was if I wasn't concerned about uh, copyright uh, <laughs> infringement, I'd play a song to describe his mother. But um, let's see, she's uh, very Arquette-ish. Hmm. Um, she's a little Rosanna. Oh, oh, I see the song and, that you're talking about. Ah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Uh, she's also um, I bless the rains down in <laughs> Africa. That's exactly the song. Is that the one? Is that the one you were thinking about? Oh, <laughs> um, Pastor Reeds! All right. Wow. Um, she's also, uh, what's the term I would use? Uh, a drug addict? She's like, I guess she's a drug addict. She's certainly an alcoholic. She's kind of a nasty, yeah, she's, uh, uh, she's a no, you know what The Rock would have called her? A trash bag hoe. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, we'll get to her in just a second. She is played by Rosanna Arquette in this movie. Do, uh, the Donna, remember, is the girlfriend of Esper. She meets her father for lunch. I guess she meets him like every day for lunch. And uh, he's like a little bit worried because he just heard Esper say that he wants to take Donna, take this money and like get out of town. And he's worried about losing his daughter. His his wife died. He, he feels like he'll be all alone. And he asks her if she's pregnant. And she just kind of laughs at him and... He says that someday uh, – that, that Esper seems to think that she's going to just up and leave him and he's worried about her and, that, and him. And, uh, and she's like, that's never going to happen, which 
in this particular scene, Donna comes off as being like very innocent and very nice. But like in literally 10 minutes, she's going to be snorting crank like it's nobody's business. It's true. <laughs> Smash cut <laughs> to a laundromat. <laughs> to a laundromat where Esper enters. Uh, not Esperanto. Esper enters the laundromat mo. And I do want to talk just briefly about Esper's fashion choice in this movie. Now, Esper has a number of very... Uh, respectable early 2000 outfits. In this particular sequence, he has a very visible wallet chain on the side of his pants. Uh, later, he'll have a full camo pant gear on, um, which is very impressive. And at one point in this movie, he puts on a bowler hat, a bowler, Mo. Uh, and in fact, there's a bowling scene, but there, he puts on a bowler hat and then he wears it pretty much for the rest of the movie. And he looks like what I could only describe as... A complete fucking idiot. <laughs> I have this uh, this thing for writer directors who write complimentary oh. lines, who oh. write complimentary oh, lines yes. for themselves <laughs> in movies. My my favorite of all t- my favorite of all time is in Buffalo '66, where the guy oh, is in the bathroom next to yeah. Gallo and tells him he's got a huge dick. That makes me laugh every time I fucking hear it. I mean, of course. <laughs> In, in Gallo's case, it's fucking true. The dude's yeah. gigantic, but guy's got a big um, dick. <laughs> yeah, but in this one, she he comes in, he starts talking to her, and she and she tells him he looks like Bruce Willis. Yes, my dad <laughs> warned me about guys who drive El Caminos and look like Bruce Willis, and he goes, "Bruce Willis is a certified hero. Is he Velmo, or is he mistaking him for his character in the movie Die Hard?" I think he's certainly mistaking him for his character because from what I've heard about Bruce Willis, is he's not a great guy but um yeah you can't trust what kevin smith says mo but also (laughs) bruce willis hasn't been in a good movie since looper probably right uh and and he's been asleep in every movie since then (laughs) uh also this guy doesn't look anything like no not even a little he's not even bald no you know you know who he does look a little bit like but it wouldn't have mattered back then is he looks like um the dude who plays, I can't remember the fucking actor's name, that Aussie dude uh, from fucking Sons, Sons of Anarchy who's got a really shitty American accent. Oh, Charlie Hunnam. Yeah, Charlie Hunnam. He does look a little like Charlie Hunnam. He looks a little bit like Charlie Hunnam. Okay, I, I'll give you that. He certainly looks more like him than he looks like fucking Bruce Willis. So they have, this Absolutely. This scene shows off the playful relationship between Esper and Donna. He's pretending that he's meeting her for the first time. And she's like, I don't want to take a ride with you. But she does. <laughs> And so she gets into his car and they drive around for a while. <laughs> and they arrive at a location, Mo. And I have to be honest, I was super confused about what this location was until kind of contextual clues put it together. What is this location? This is sort of like a secret hangout joint that the uh, the father kept. Yes. Basically, it yeah. was his place that he went and did drugs in. Yeah, which is it was, his, it was his own personal crack den. Yeah, right. Which, okay, everyone needs to have a hobby. I will say that my one of the things that bothered me about this movie is it, like crack den. <laughs> <laughs> Reach out and touch meth. Um, <laughs> I uh, I'm 38 years old, Mo, and mm-hmm. I will probably never live in a house that is mine. Just not in the cards for old Doug. 
Uh, right. I just won't have a house. Me neither, more than one. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and a lot of people of our generation and younger are probably never going to have a house of their own. Everyone in this movie has a house. How do they have houses? Where did these houses come from? Multiple houses and, I, and cars just sitting there. <laughs> I think um, I think the thing is, is that in Iowa, and this is actually something I have heard, is that it's dirt cheap to live there. Well, it's, oh, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of dirt, so I, I guess. Uh, so, <laughs> so they go into this place. I'm just going to rush through it a little bit here. Esper, he finds a jar of crank mo. Um, mm-hmm. What is like? I don't not my drug terminology. What is it? What is crank? Is it, oh, it's a great movie starring Jason Stath- Jason Statham. Can we watch that instead of the rest of this fucking movie? Um, yeah, can we please? So he he isn't sure what it is, so he rubs it on his gums, recognizes it immediately because he's trash, and uh, and then um, S- oh, and and Donna's response is this: Esper, are you crazy? Yeah. Bitter. It's bitter, Mo. It's bitter, so you know that it's, it's real. It's real crank. And so she... Am- it's bitter, better, bitter, better butter. So she, who at this point seemed, uh, you know, very innocent. Uh, uh, what, are, what do they call them? Um, an, an ingenue. An ingenue. Uh, and so she <laughs> sticks her finger in and starts rubbing it on her gums. And then there's a slow motion shot of her bringing her finger out of her mouth, Mo. And it, you know what it made me think of? <laughs> um, when you were a kid and you used to lick your finger for uh, for fun dip? Yeah, fun dip. That is what I thought of. But, I mean, th- there is a lingering shot of her licking her finger. Um, and so she says she doesn't feel much. And he goes, well, you have to snort it. And she goes, should we? And Mo then he says, why not? We're free, white, and 21, ain't we? You're supposed to be 21? I guess they're both supposed to be 21 in this movie. Not, okay. Fair enough. Then there is a montage, Mo. There's a lot of montages I, in this movie. I this this is the only montage in the movie that I actually really like <laughs> because I'm a big fan of like old drug scare films. Sure. Educational movies. So right. So in this in this particular case, they're all kind of high as a kite, and there's blips of images going back and forth and everything's kind of going sped up and black and white. Yeah. It it looks, you know, it's, it's well put together. And then the audio over top of this is all old drug scare film audio. Mo, let me tell you something. I think I mentioned it. I mentioned it. Snorting crank. I mentioned at the beginning of the show, Mo, that I watched the non-director's cut version of this after I watched the director's cut. That montage. Oh, yeah. It's cut out. Yeah, no, it's cut out. They cut it out of the movie. That that whole montage. That's, ridi- that's fucking ridiculous because it's like it's literally the best scene in the entire. Movie. Well, well however upset you're about that, you're going to be happy about another thing I'm about to tell you. So they're snorting within the front seat of this car that was just sitting in this building, and uh, she opens up the glove compartment. Donna does and finds a gun in it, Mo, which leads her to say this. I love this gun. <laughs> Can we drive to Egypt? <laughs> At least New York. That way we don't have to cross an ocean. Too many of them terrorists. What? Too many of them terrorists, Mo. Jesus Christ. Well, well, Mo. So they, no. 
He wait, hold on. Is he saying too many terrorists in New York or in yeah. Egypt? No, in terrorists. In, in terrorists in New York, because <laughs> oh, this is okay. this is a post nine eleven world that this movie takes place in. I think. Oh. So they have some romantic dialogue establishing the relationship. Mo, he says, "I could watch I, pa- I, paint dry if it was a picture of you." Yeah, that's not romantic. That's yeah. idiotic. Well, he's high, so she probably thought it was great. So then Fair she enough. reaches over, Mo, and changes the music on the radio to something a little more peppy. And then what happens, Mo? What the fuck happens in this movie? Then, uh, I believe this is the moment where um, everything goes black and white again. Mm-hmm. And she is now in a school go- schoolgirl uniform. Well, I cannot fucking talk today. It's all right. Uh, in a schoolgirl uniform, singing, uh, I believe it's America the Beautiful. She sings America the Beautiful, because he has this kind of like drug fantasy about her. Sure. And it's so goddamn lame, Mo. It's so it's lame. It's so fucking stupid. So I'm going to say right now, I'm going to give Mr. Farnsworth some credit. He cut this out of his movie. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> Later, we see Esper just walking around downtown. Wearing his camo pants and lighting a cigarette. What a sure. piece of garbage this guy is, Mo. I think we're As supposed to like him. I think we're supposed to think that he's kind of a cool guy. But I don't. But why? I, I, yeah. No, there's nothing redeeming about this character. You know, and Even so far, he's like... I mean, within minutes of being told that his, uh, that his father left him money, he's snorting crank off of a fucking plate, you know... And getting his girlfriend high. So he goes to the Second Baptist Missionary Church with Donna. He goes in there with her. And basically he's talking to like a minister there to uh, to get, I guess, the information about them getting married. I need, they need permission from, I don't know how this small town religious <clears throat> shit works. Yeah. So Donna says that she hasn't been there a lot. Like the, the minister says, like, we haven't seen you around. She's like, I haven't been here a lot, but I'm not an antithesis. And he goes, uh, this is, uh, Esper goes, that's atheist, honey. Pretty funny Uh, stuff. That's hilarious. This minister, he's a nice guy. He asks her if she's been baptized. She says she's not sure. So then he just baptizes her in like three seconds. Um, And Esper's like, don't you need water? And he says, it's not necessary. And that's the whole fucking scene. And I don't know why this is Mm -hmm. here. (laughs) Right. Now, Mo, remember when we were talking about Esper's mom? Oh, yeah. Esper's mom has got it going on. No. No. No, she doesn't. No. no. Instead, she's Rosanna Arquette, who you might remember from the movie Pulp Fiction. She's the one with the shit all over her face. (laughs) (laughs) Do you remember that, Mo? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So Esper and his mother have a complicated relationship. She is a little (laughs) upset about this whole money thing. And she's like, how can so much money rely on a man's bladder? Um, and, uh, so, and she doesn't know why his father left him the money and stuff like that. But he, Esper's very sensible. He's like, I'm going to pay off his debts and we're going to split the money 50, 50, though. I don't know if that's actually the truth, but that's what he says to her anyway. Yeah. I, I have a feeling it's not the truth. And then, uh, someone, uh, he tells his mom that he got engaged and then someone knocks on the door, Mo. And who is this? Oh, it's Larry. It's next door neighbor Larry from Three's Company. Um, no, it's cousin Larry Appleton. Oh, it's cousin. <laughs> then they do the dance of joy together, right? <laughs> right in the front foyer. Um, no, it is Larry. 
Larry is played in this movie by Michael T. Weiss, who you might know as the lead of the television series The Pretender, which was a movie, a movie, a TV series from years and years ago. He's got a very distinctive face. You would probably recognize him if you saw him. In this movie, he's playing evil. So he has a big handlebar mustache. So he's a jerk and everyone knows it. And he's completely irredeemable. And yet people like him anyway, Mo. But I, you know, I, I live in 2019. So that is a believable character. Mm. He was Esper's dad's probation officer on the meth task force. And then, uh, and, and basically Esper's confused. He's like, what the hell is going on? He says to Esper, Hey, what's that over there? And then he like tases him in the back of the neck. Yeah, like a full-on cattle prod. Yeah, like a cattle prod. Yeah, so he falls down unconscious. What is going on here, Mo? So um, what Larry is trying to do, first off, I, I, I just can't, I can't find a villain named Larry believable. <laughs> but um, Mr. Larry, Larry Johnson. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Larry uh, <laughs> then proceeds to attempt to plant drugs on to uh, Esper. Esper. But this is Iowa. Uh, but this is Iowa, so of course Esper already has drugs on him, and he and he even says something to the effect of, uh, oh, "Don't even have to do anything illegal today." <laughs> so, my impression from the sequence is he was going to kill Esper at first, but then he plants the drugs, and I guess planting the drugs, well, what was going to plant the drugs, was just supposed to be an excuse to lock Esper up. And yeah, I think th- I think that was supposed to be the grand plan all the whole time. Yeah. Plant the drugs plant the drugs on Esper, put him in jail and then have somebody in jail kill him. Oh, okay. Well, not jail mo. He puts uh, him in the trunk of his car and then this happens. Mm-hmm. Well, you can take him. To hell. To hell. <laughs> But he doesn't take him to Helmo. He takes him to some lockup, like a holding cell. And there is, like, I was so confused. You know, that, that, that audio clip right there makes this movie sound so much more exciting. I know, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so Esper's in the cell. We get a shot of some hairy guy, like, watching him. I don't know why that is. But I, I think what they're trying to imply is that that dude is going to kill him. I would have thought that, but that never comes up again. Well, it does. When he gets out, he's got a big gash on his head. Oh, right. You know, because he did get attacked while he was in prison. Would have been nice to show that, by the way. Yeah, it would have been would have been super nice. Well, the next day, uh, or later, Effie, who is uh, uh, Esper's mom, her name is Oh, Effie. she has a name? Effie. <laughs> uh, she's getting all dolled up. For, for when Larry comes back to the house. And he comes there and he uh-huh. says, it's done. And she tries to give him a beer, Mo, but what happens when he when she tries to do that? Um, he says he doesn't drink, just like Gene oh, Simmons. Yeah. yeah, he says, uh, he says, Heineken, I don't drink that shit. <laughs> Pat Blue, Blue Ribbon. Ribbon. <laughs> <laughs> so he's given her some instructions. He says, like, wait at least a week after Esper's funeral... Before she calls Irv about the settlement. Basically, so the idea here is his mother is such a piece of shit that she's having her own son killed so she can get the $200,000. Yup. And then they have an exchange, Mo. And then we're treated to uh, a truly, truly 
awful moment. <laughs> Mo, Jeez. I did not list on your notes that I took this audio clip. And then when I went over it again today, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to grab it anyway. So that's what I did. So let's oh, hear let's hear what that sounds like. Oh, Jesus. I love you so fucking much. Mm, understandably so. Because <laughs> I, I caress like an angel. Fuck, like the devil. <laughs> take me, Don Juan. Yeah, I did leave in when she says, "Take me, Don take Juan." Me, Don Juan. <laughs> what um, a fucking stupid shit. <laughs> Here, here's the one thing I will say about Larry. Larry is like, oh, the actor. What was the actor's sure. name again? Don't make me look in my notes for his fucking name. Just say Larry. Larry, the actor who plays Larry, whose name I should fucking know, but I don't take notes like that because I don't give a shit, is the one competent actor in this entire movie. He, I will say that he's lucky because he's given such a extreme character. He's right. He's obviously having a lot more fun than everybody else. But yeah. which is weird because this movie is again supposed to be a serious look at a meth epidemic to some extent. <laughs> right. But Larry's having a blast. Yeah, Larry's having a good time. So, <laughs> so uh, the next sequence is Larry in his office, his uh, corrections department, and he's calling Donna on the phone, telling her that her boyfriend is locked up, Mo, and uh, she's going to have to come down to find a way to bail him out. There's a great moment during. Is this it a great moment, Mo? <laughs> well, no, 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 during the conversation, not what follows. Uh, where you mean the Francis she... Ford Coppola movie? <laughs> <laughs> where she um she he had just said that esper was in jail and she goes well i haven't seen him in a while and, she, <laughs> yes, and he just kind of like probably why. he kind of starts it just goes well yeah that's why you haven't seen him in a while <laughs> so we then see a, just a quick shot of um donna's father waiting for her at lunch she doesn't show because she's gone to this law center it says law center on the outside and sure. we see a quick montage of cars passing by, Mo, establishing that time is passing. Yeah. And then we see another montage, Mo. What is this montage of? Give us as much detail as you feel comfortable with. No. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> no, it's it's basically, um, well, yeah, like you said, we get the time lapse of her car. Uh, and then uh, there's a montage of all of the terrible things that he is doing to her. Basically, he, he rapes her pretty severely. He in a really rapes her in a very brutal fashion. Yes. puts a gun in her face. I believe he chains her to the wall. We find out more about what exactly uh, yeah. he did later, and it, it it's really rough stuff. And it, yeah, and unnecessary. And I do have to say that this the camera lingers unpleasantly on her breasts while this montage yeah. is going on. Right, exactly. I, mean, I would like, call this it exploitative, the, even. This is the epitome of gratuitous nudity. Oh, she, le she leaves and uh, goes to the church, the one that we saw earlier. She can barely walk because she's been, like, really messed up. She's shaking, mm -hmm. and the minister from earlier, he comes out, and he recognizes her, and he asks her what happened. And she tells him that Esper's in jail, and she can't get him out. And, like, she can't uh, tell her father to get the uh, bail money. And the minister says that he's going to help her out. And uh, and then she gets in her car and snorts more crank. Yeah, because when I have a life-changing 
you know, situation like that happened to me, the first thing I generally tend to do is snort crank. Well, she's she's hurt. And I mean, I guess you can't really blame her for whatever no, decisions that she makes there. But it's True. so this minister guy, he, he's gone from the rest of the movie after this. We don't ever see him again. Yeah. Yep. What's his deal? No. I mean, they're not. He's not a Catholic, so he's probably not raping little boys. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which, you know, good on him. Yeah. So he apparently pays the uh, the bail for Esper, who gets out of jail. We see mm-hmm. the next day Donna is waiting for him. They're they're sitting together. He does have a head wound, as you mentioned, Mo. Yep. And, and she she's, has, and she's immediately on dope. She's immediately yes. onto the subject of dope. Like he's trying to talk about like what happened and what he thinks is going on, and she's like, "Can we get dope?" I think we need some dope. Can I get dope? Uh, you know where we she goes. I feel so lonely without it. Yeah, I feel so lonely without it. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I, I her. She says, "Did they take your dope?" And he's like, "They're police, Donna." <laughs> like they just give it to him on his way out. <laughs> oh, by the way, Esper, here's your dope. So uh, elsewhere, Effie, uh, that's Esper's mom. She's being picked mm. up on the street by Larry in his car. And she, she's all dolled up once again, and she says... Do I look like $200,000 to you? You look like squatted shit to me. Now get in. <laughs> that Larry's not a very nice guy. Real pleasant, really a real pleasant man, that Larry. Larry's pissed off because Esper was able to get out of jail, which was not the plan, apparently. Though, like, why did he even tell Donna he was in jail? Mm. Is it just so he could rape her? Like, what's the fucking point of... Why, why didn't he just have the... Why didn't he just... When the she comes to pay the, the thing, why doesn't he have the guy kill Esper then? I don't really understand the plan here. No, it doesn't seem very well thought out. Um, I mean, it does seem to me that the only reason why he called her down there was to rape her. So, uh, yeah, let's he didn't even He didn't even use that as an exchange to... To let Esper out, by the way. He, he just... No. Yeah, what an asshole. Just so, does it. Effie's kind of pissed off about this news. And when she shows that she's upset, he, Larry, who's, again, really establishing him as a bad guy here, he slaps her around and he makes her say, Mo, to call him God. As in, God, if I was a hundred times as smart, I still wouldn't be as smart as Larry. Sure. And then she, then he dangles a loogie in her mouth. Ew. No, he doesn't do that. But he, he, this guy, this guy's a jerk. And I have some sympathy for Effie for being obviously a brutalized and battered person. But then again, it was her idea to kill her own son. Right. Then we see what must be a very common uh, sight in Iowa, Mo cows, <laughs> cows grazing. Oh, that's not what I thought you were gonna say. <laughs> What did you think I was going to say, Mo? I thought you were going to say meth houses. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I've never been to Iowa, but I mean, um, I considering that the director of this made two documentaries and a fi- a fictional feature film about meth use in Iowa. I guess it is pretty common, right? Do you know that the director of this, Matt Farnsworth, <laughs> he appeared on a Tucker Carlson news program in 2006 to talk about meth as a way to advertise this movie. Oh, man, if I ever went on a Tucker Carlson uh, show, I would use his bow tie to strangle him to death. I read a but. transcript of it just before we started recording. I'm sure you did. I did. I absolutely <laughs> no, I'm, did. I'm, I'm saying I'm sure you did. 
So Esper and Donna arrive at a really kind of crappy looking house. And they knock on the door, Mo, and there's a guy right behind the door, and he's got a shotgun, a young guy with a shotgun. And when he sees that it's them, he walks back into the house. He's like, he thought they were the feds or aliens, he says. I, I like this character because he's like a methed out Kieran Culkin. Yeah, right? He, <laughs> this is a character that I wish I knew who he was or what his relationship is to Esper or why he's in the movie. And I'd like to know where he goes, but we don't find out any of those things. What, what I also love is while they're in this house, they find a book. A book on how to cook meth. Yeah, they found they found the the meth book, you know? The meth the, book. I think he says it was written by Uncle Fester. Sure. So they're there, I guess, to find out where to get some meth. But uh, this this guy, I guess, this dude with the shotgun is some sort of extended family member of Esper. Um, and he's all messed up. Esper even points a gun at his head for some reason. I don't really understand the relationship here. But the main thing to take away from this is that Donna finds a book on how to make meth. And then anybody who's ever watched Breaking Bad knows that they break rule number one. What's the rule, Mo? Don't buy everything from the same place. Yeah, I guess in Iowa it's not that big of a deal. I should mention, by the way, that there are... Some people uh, listening might think that this movie was heavily inspired by Breaking Bad, but in fact, Breaking Bad did not start as a TV series until four years after this movie came out. Hmm. Uh-huh, so this it, obviously took a lot of influence from it. In fact, in the first episode of Breaking Bad, it says, inspired by Iowa. <laughs> not oh, does the, it? But it says in parentheses, not the movie, the state. Oh, of course, yeah. <laughs> so it's nice it that the state is... It doesn't nice say that, the, that at all. That the state has, has inspired something of use. <laughs> <laughs> Slipknot and Breaking Bad, okay. Um... So as you suggested, Mo, they, they, there's a montage of them buying stuff at the store uh, yep. to make meth with. And then because there's apparently Iowa is just full of like abandoned locations, they, they go into one of these locations and they cook up a batch of meth. What, I, what cracks me up is they describe... No, not crack, meth. <laughs> oh, yeah, right, sorry. What, what meths me up is... <laughs> you are messed up, boy. <laughs> I'm, I'm all messed up. Uh, they, they, he describes them taking 20 minutes to cook this batch. Yeah. It's their first batch. And they perfect it in 20 minutes. Look, I'm not going to say that you can't be... Innately talented. Look, Innate- I'm innately talented. I'm innately talented in a couple of things, but cooking meth wouldn't be one of them. What are the things that you are innately talented in? Oh, they're all uh, sexual. Oh, with yourself? <laughs> uh, most, most, mostly, yes. <laughs> Onanism. Um, so basically, they're like, uh, Esper's like, I'm never going to work in a factory again. I'm going to sell this and make a living. Uh, and I'm just, you know, I, he has a code. He says, I'm not going to sell it to kids. And he goes, and it makes me feel good. And she starts making out with him. And he's like, and she's like, let's do some more. So uh, I guess then they just do a bunch more. And it's kind of surprising they don't just die right there. <laughs> it seems like right. that's what would have happened in real life. Mo, remember I, Effie? I do, I, do like, I, I do like the fact that he wants to, like, kiss her. And all she wants is more drugs. Hey, you know what? Sometimes it must be really good. Honestly, that's what I'm getting out of this movie so far. This shit must yeah. be stupendous if you oh, don't yeah, even want to make out. Yeah, as soon as we're done recording, I'm going to go score some meth uh, from the dealer down the block. 
Look, we have a lot of followers who uh, and a lot of listeners from Iowa. I'm sure they can hook us up. Oh, yeah. Uh, let's give them our P.O. box when we're done. <laughs> Effie, that's uh, Esper's mom. She's watching TV. Apparently, all you can watch on TV in Iowa are like news reports from like the 70s about how Iowa is a <laughs> shitty place to live because all the farming has gone to fucking pot. Not pot, literally. Just It's just not, not good there. Yeah. Actually, it would... Pot would do Iowa a great deal. but Yeah, no. you should get on that, Iowaians. Uh, so Rosanna, <laughs> Rosanna Arquette in this scene, she is acting hard. She is she's uh, going right out. She's yelling at nobody in particular. She's by herself. She's drinking right from the bottle. She's crying. She says out loud, I know you love me, Larry. <laughs> I know you do. <laughs> that poor woman. <laughs> So Esper and Donna, they have this, you know, they're entrepreneurial. You got to give them that. They go where you would go once you're celebrating the fact that you've made meth for the first time. They go to the bowling alley, Mo. And I love, 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 love the fact that the first time we see this idiotic fucking bowler hat uh-huh. is at is at the bowling alley. Yep. And he's like this, like you can see director Matt Farnsworth, this hat looks good on me, right? And everyone's like, oh yeah, no, it's good. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's what people wear in Iowa. Stupid fucking hats from the 1930s, just like what you have on. All right, I guess I'll wear it. So Esper is there to talk to his friend Nick, who we have not been introduced to up to this point. Yeah, is very into the Neth, And Nick is very impressed by this meth that Esper has made. Uh, he tells him that he's sorry about his dad. And, um, and Esper says a very interesting anecdote where he says, I tried to call him from jail. But then I realized he was dead. <laughs> Esper, you fucking idiot. <laughs> we also are introduced to the other important character in this movie, Mo. Dominique, who is a friend of Nick's. Who is Dominique and what's she all about, Mo? Uh, she's a French-Canadian she's nun. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Dominique. <laughs> uh, she, <laughs> she is a uh, S&M looking, you know, pleather clad uh whore bag i, I don't oh, know oh no uh, come on no slut shaming on the no budget nightmares podcast mo no she's no, just, no, she's no. Just... i wasn't saying that was a bad thing i'm just saying that's what she seems to be um actually you can and... kind of you can probably do it with this particular character because a little yeah. bit later she admits to doing some pretty unpleasant things however now that i think about it that sequence might have been a fantasy sequence so why would yeah. you anyway we'll talk about that in just a little bit yeah, yeah this... we'll get to that when we get to it um but yeah she's i, I don't know she i guess they she's another person who they want to bring into the business as well I don't get it. Well, she apparently she knows how to make drugs. Like she has experience. Oh, I think they, they say something just, like that. But they just had a scene showing that they know how to make drugs. Well, the, look here, four hands, four hands, eight hands are better than four hands, Mo. You can make sure. drugs twice as fast. And yet, ironically, it's all, the only person we ever see making drugs after this is Nick. Yeah, Nick is the only <laughs> one who's going to make drugs from now on. Uh, so then we get to a very important scene where all four of our characters. So we got Esper, Donna. Nick and Dominique, they're wearing masks, Mo, and they're trying to steal something. What are they trying to steal? I have no fucking clue. I have no idea. It's a big tank. They're at like a farmer's uh, uh, property, and they're on top of it, and they're stealing. I don't know. I guess it's acid or something? The only thing I know about this tank is that it's steaming, and that apparently the uh, 
uh, the liquid inside of it is corrosive. I thought it was liquid nitrogen at first. I'm like, but that doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make but, any goddamn sense. I have but, no fucking clue. But I guess it's acidic. Yeah. So I yeah. the reason we know that is because of something that will happen a little bit later on. But I'm glad, Mo, that, that you are as ignorant about this as I am because I was like, I, I bet people who are listening are going to think we're really uncool for not knowing what this is supposed to be. Nope. Remember Dominique, Mo? I was going to say, we're uncool for many, many other reasons as well. <laughs> We're not as cool as Dominique, who in the very next sequence is shooting heroin, Mo. She likes she prefers heroin to other stuff. She doesn't like smoking cigarettes, it'll fuck up your voice. She doesn't like doing cocaine and stuff because it'll fuck up your nose. She likes doing heroin, Mo. Was she doing heroin? I thought she was I thought she was shooting up the crank. Oh, can you shoot up crank? Boy, I really don't know much about beats the fuck out of me. I don't know. I never ain't never done crank. Well, I'll tell you what, Nick is watching her, and you can tell like Nick really likes Dominique. But uh, he's never done, like, injected drugs before. And she basically says, she tosses him a rubber hose and like, tie off and find a vein. And he's and then he says something very pathetic, which is this. You got a boyfriend? <laughs> Let me put it to you this way. When I shoot, I want to screw. Even you. It's that even you that's the, the romantic kicker to the whole thing. Right. <laughs> She says some nonsense about how it's the ritual that gets her off. and ugh. There's a lot of nonsense dialogue. And it's going to get really bad now that all of our characters are on drugs all the time. Because now yeah. they're just going to talk talk shit for the entire movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Nick does indeed. He, uh, he uh, chases the dragon <laughs> with her. <laughs> yeah. What? What's so funny about that? I was thinking of that South Park episode <laughs> chasing the dragon. Come on, you can't catch me, you can't catch me. <laughs> uh, so there's another montage, uh, which includes some old educational film footage, Mo, just like you liked before. This time, mm-hmm. not as interesting, but this time, no. actually left into the final movie. <laughs> All I wrote in my notes at this point was, who even are these people? Like, why the fuck? Who the fuck is Nick and Dominique? Like, why do we care about them? I didn't realize they were going to be, like, major characters for the rest of the movie. Right. While all of this is going on, Esper and Donamo, they're fucking. Yup. <laughs> uh, and this is when I started to think, you know what? No, I don't like any of these people. Why am I Why am I watching this piece of shit movie? Um, well, we got, we got paid to watch this movie, so. Esper blows his load. Mo, and then he immediately seems depressed, as one does. Mm. <laughs> and she goes, "What's wrong? Did it feel bad?" And he's like, "I think someone's trying to kill me." <laughs> I mean, the funny thing is, he's not wrong. He is not wrong. He's not wrong yeah. to think that, though. I don't know why he feels that way. But he, so she says, "You got to stop saying that." He says, "I haven't said it." And she said, "You said it in a dream." And he goes, "Did the dream seem real?" And she says, "Yeah." But it was more like a nightmare. What a dumb goddamn movie this is. Written by Nick Farnsworth. <laughs> so the next day it's raining, Mo. And Esper and Nick are sitting on a bridge. And they're having a completely unnecessary conversation that could easily have been excised from the movie. But wasn't. <laughs> Esper now seems kind of conflicted about the whole selling drugs thing. Even though before he didn't seem to have any problem with it. I, I this is also the same scene where Nick starts telling Esper about how much he's into Dominique, 
Yes. Right. And and Esper, ever the classy gentleman, says, oh, she probably has AIDS. She says, oh, Jesus. he says, the bitch probably has AIDS. And he oh. asks Nick if he used a rubber. And Nick's response is, nobody in Iowa has AIDS. Uh, Strangely enough, he does not get AIDS. Um, no. But he no. gets quite an STD. Uh, <laughs> As we'll find out. It definitely burns what he pees. <laughs> <laughs> There's a little inside joke between Mo and myself that will become an outside yeah. joke in just a little bit. <laughs> Quick scene. Donna buys a pregnancy test in a grocery store. Uh, the person who sells it to her recognizes her, but it doesn't matter. But obviously we know as soon as she buys that that she's probably pregnant. Probably. Esper goes to see Larry at the law office because he's his probation officer. Uh, Larry tells him, I have some simple rules. If you follow him, you'll be fine. But we know, of course, Larry wants Esper either locked up or dead. Dun, dun, dun. I like how he offers him a cigarette and Esper immediately goes, why are you trying to kill me? Actually, you know what? I have that whole audio sequence leading into the part after. Yeah. So let's have a little listen to that. Would you like a cigarette? Why are you trying to kill me, man? (laughs) Come on, boy. One cigarette ain't gonna kill you. Do you have x-ray vision? (laughs) Not at the moment. Then how'd you know I had dope on me that night? Perceptive. He's perceptive, Mo. That's how he knew he had dope, right? So Esper's trying to put two and two together on the whole being set up thing. Mm Mm-hmm. So... Uh, Larry, uh, in case you weren't reminded that he was kind of a scumbag and is kind of a scumbag, he says the only good thing that meth is for is uh, for making fat girls skinnier. (sighs) And then he says that the state requires that he watch the urine come out of Esper's penis for the drug test that he has to do. So he takes him into another room and uh, in one of the more relatable moments in this, Esper's a little shy about... The pretender being inches away from his dick while he's trying to be <laughs> <The> pretender. <laughs> yeah. So actually, in the one thing I liked about this entire movie, Larry goes, "Well, maybe you need some mood music," and he turns on a faucet, and <laughs> that's that gets him to piss. And after he pisses, Larry leans in and says this, and it this is going to go from unpleasant to funny in a very short amount of time. Did yeah. you know that your little girlfriend? Has the juiciest pussy. Ugh. She didn't tell you that she came by? Your little daisy. Don. You're full of malarkey. <laughs> <laughs> but is he, Mo? Is he full of malarkey? No. No, he is not. People from Ottawa who are listeners to No Budget Nightmares. Ottawa? Why the fuck did I say that? <laughs> was that a Freudian slip? Yeah, I guess so. People from Iowa who are listeners to No Budget Nightmares, do people in Iowa use malarkey on a regular basis? Uh, is this something that people still say as if they were old-time prospectors? I'm not going to lie. There's a couple of old-timey phrases that I still say, and uh, a- a- but never in my life have I ever unironically used the term malarkey. Boulder Dash! Flim Flam! Right. Right. 
I, I have I have a friend whose real last name is Malarkey. <laughs> it's his real last name. And uh and when I poke fun at him, that's the only time I ever say that word. Esper goes to see Donna at a restaurant. He's going nuts because he's heard this news from Larry about like even though he says he's full of malarkey, I guess he believes it. And uh and that's, that's unbelievable malarkey. Uh at this point in the movie, I'm like, didn't Donna have a father? Is that isn't he in this movie as well? <laughs> <laughs> so she he says to her all the information that he's figured out. He says the probation guy's gonna try to kill him. They're gonna make money selling meth, and then they're gonna leave. And he says he loves her, and that's the whole fucking sequence. And I don't know why you couldn't have just implied that this happened. It seemed really unnecessary to show it. Right. So Esper, Dominique, and Donna are hanging out in their little drug den that they've created. This place that they're going to be cooking up uh, meth in. While Nick, as you mentioned before, uh, Mo, he's in the kitchen. There, Esper, by the way, is smoking meth uh, while wearing a bowler hat, and he looks like a fucking tool. Um, <laughs> and then in one of the stranger sequences in the entire movie, he's just sitting there and he sees Dominique and Donna sitting next to each other. And then suddenly Dominique comes on to Donna and she takes out her breasts and, uh, makes, uh, Donna touch him and she says they're soft. And then they talk about their shared sexual histories. Dominique says that she said, it- yes, please. And then it cuts to a red room where a midget in a suit comes in and starts talking backwards. This is the Lynchian reference that we were talking about earlier, Mo. This is very David Lynch, where he sees two people talk about having sex with each other. Dominique says that she's had sex with everyone you can imagine, Mo, including some words that I don't care to repeat. And animals, she mentions, Mo. And she says that the first person she slept with was her uncle, who used to wave his dick in her face when she was 10 years old. Horrible, unpleasant, yeah. right? Really unpleasant. But it turns out, Mo, that this implied uh, lesbian action is just a fantasy that's going on in Esper's head. Why is he fantasizing I about <laughs> this horrible childhood molestation? I don't know. Abuse. And also, if he's just fantasizing about these two people having a lesbian encounter, like, why is this in the movie? What's the fucking point of it? Right. Although she does, she does ask Donna if she's ever had a brown eye slammer. A brown eyed slammer, Mo. What's that? Oh, that's up the butt. Yeah, that's what people say. They say call it the brown eyed slammer, and Donna says yes. And I guess they bond over that. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's a mutual thing. I've never heard brown eyed slammer, and I've, I've spent I've spent lots yet. of time on Urban Dictionary, but I've never heard. That. <laughs> I've spent a lot of time, you know, fantasizing about buttholes, and I, I've never heard it either. I know you have, Mo. Dominique tells them that <laughs> if they want people to show up, they I guess they need to turn the porch light on before dark, and then they'll have a lineup of people coming to buy meth. I guess that's secret code in Iowa. Meanwhile, Donna is writing on a... Uh, in, in fairness, that's that's actually secret code everywhere. I'm because, sure it is. Um, Just like the fucking uh, yeah. throwing the pair brown, of sneakers over the... slammer. <laughs> the brown oh. slammer, right. Uh, Donna, because no, when I mm. when I when I lived when I lived in a very undesirable part of Connecticut, uh, I was uh, three houses down from 
like a crack den. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that was what they would do. They would turn the light on. And we had to make sure that our light was off because we didn't want people knocking on our door at fucking three o'clock in the morning. It's a real it's an unbreakable code. So I can see how why they would do that. I mean, the police would yeah. never figure that out. <laughs> no, no. The police are way too stupid to notice something like that. So Esper is, go- is going out to the store to buy some stuff to make more meth and whatnot. And uh, let's just move on because fuck this. Uh, Donna's dad, he's depressed. He hasn't seen his daughter in a while. He's fantasizing about old home movie footage. Uh, and then Larry arrives uh, and asks him if he has a second. Larry tells him that he used to be Esper's dad's probation officer, and now he's Esper's probation officer. And he basically is trying to sneak around to find out more about that piss test that you might have forgotten about because it was in the first scene of the fucking movie. Um, right. And, and you know, Larry's trying to play it off like, hey, I don't know why a guy who's about to come into so much money would be making would be cooking meth and that makes me ask myself the same question but why why is he getting into it when he might be days away from getting $200,000 I I think because secretly he knows he ain't getting that money Yeah, I would guess when they go to their dad's place yeah. and find drugs all over um, yeah. I guess so. Uh so so then Larry just leaves. Donna's dad doesn't really tell him anything. And uh in the released version of the movie that anyone who's listening to this right now can go out and purchase, this then cuts to a scene where uh, Esper comes out of a store and meets Donna's dad. But in the version we watched, Mo, there's a lengthy sequence of all of our friends, all these great characters, Esper and Donna and everyone else, doing drugs and having a great time. Yeah, Nick tells a joke. Nick tells a taxidermy joke. He tells a lengthy joke. Mo, that is not in the final version. Yeah. So, it is a pretty good joke, I have to say. I laughed. <clears throat> and it is, uh, it, it is uh, the, the people being mocked in this joke are people from Arkansas, which I guess, if you're from Iowa, they have some sort of uh, competition amongst who can be the, the biggest boring pieces of shit in the United States. But... Uh, <laughs> Which is funny because you'd think they'd go for like Mississippi or Alabama, but I mean, yeah. there, there's, there's shooting fish in a barrel. <laughs> that's true. Maybe that, maybe that's low hanging fruit. <laughs> so in this, I, I, Iowa, <laughs> Iowa and Arkansas, they're fighting over who's going to be the forty seventh worst state. <laughs> so this culminates in them all being very, very high, and and talking sort of gibberish, and we we get a little insight into the fact that Nick does not like himself. And he says this. I hate my life. I hate what I do, where I live, what I look like, and everyone I know. <laughs> and and it becomes very tense and strange in the room until Esper knocks on the wall to scare them all. And basically they all laugh out of nervousness. And, and that's, I guess it's supposed to be a little character development for Nick. But when it was cut out of the fucking movie. <laughs> Though it him well, saying I, that I mean I I was just gonna say him saying that does pay dividends a little bit later on. That's true. And I will also say that much like Nick, I also hate Nick. <laughs> he is a very annoying character. Yeah. So as I mentioned before, Esper comes out of a store and Donna's father is there waiting for him. And he just tells, he basically reassures Donna's father. He says that Donna and him have been busy, that she's fine. And this is where we discover that Donna's father has not seen Donna in a week. Um, 
And this also is when Donna's father reveals to Esper that his father's uh, urine came back dirty. So he's not going to get the money. And Esper makes the upstanding citizen suggestion of uh, maybe now's the time to lose some paperwork. Yeah, right? And because then him and Donna can, you know, start their lives together elsewhere and get married and all that shit. But he doesn't know, I guess, that Donna's father doesn't want them to do that. So he's probably right. probably not going to. That's the thing. Donna's father is the only respectable character in this entire movie. Yeah. Yeah, there's like maybe that minister guy, but we don't know what he does in his in his spare time. <laughs> we don't know what his extracurriculars are. Donna's father goes, I define myself by my image in the community, and you obviously do not. Mo, do you define yourself by your image in the community? I would imagine that I don't have much of an image in the community. Well, you got to stop. Co- no. Collaborate and listen. Uh, no, you got to put up <laughs> billboards saying, hi, I'm Mo. I'm a great guy. <laughs> I don't do drugs. So... I guess Esper's really bummed out by this, though I found this next sequence very confusing. There's a whole, there's like a montage of him driving around again, just by himself. Then there's like a quick montage of him like snorting crank off of the uh, barrel of a gun and holding it to his forehead. Um, I guess the, like, is the suggestion here that he's suicidal because of the money? I don't, he didn't seem upset before. No. So, Esper's, I guess potentially suicidal. He's anyway, I think he's, it's just supposed to make him look like he's a complex character when he isn't right. He's not at all. He's parked in front of their drug den and some guy arrives there. Mo Esper doesn't, Esper doesn't recognize him. So he immediately points his gun at him. And then Dominique runs out and says, this is the guy that she called to help them distribute the meth. His name is, yeah. When did they talk? When did they talk? talk about that. I think I think in that sequence where he was about to run out to the store to buy things she she mentioned him then fair enough so he's Joey uh he goes inside everyone is acting like a lunatic because they're all high on drugs um Esper asks Donna if she was checking out this guy Joey and she says that she wasn't and um he makes Esper makes Donna unload his gun which actually does pay off later even though it's very confusing hmm uh, there's a big pile of cash out in the living room and Joey and Dominique start making out. Nick comes out with a giant knife and he's very upset about it cause he's very jealous about it. Uh, and he starts to freak out. Joey tells him to chill and he's going to take his three grams and go. But before he leaves, Joey gives an acting clinic with this. Take your food and get it out. Yeah, sure. But you know, somebody ought to keep that fucking freak on 74 hour insanity watch. <laughs> Five fucking minutes. Five fucking minutes. Denny. <laughs> two. Take two. That's all they have to do. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so then there's a... Um... Okay. <laughs> Then there's more montages of people like arriving at this place. The suggestion is they're making a lot of money. I don't know why they don't just get out of town right now. I don't know how much they're making. The pile of money looks substantial. Yeah. Then we see Donna's dad in his office. He seems really upset because he doesn't know what's going on with Donna. She hasn't called him. Uh, he calls somebody on the phone, Mo. Do we know who he's calling in this sequence? Nope. Nope. But he's just asking them if they've seen Donna or Esper. 
he's really nervous and upset. This is a really weirdly like edited scene and unnecessary because we just saw that he was upset about the fact that she's missing. Mm-hmm. Unnecessary, Mo. I say that a lot because this movie has a lot of unnecessary content, like its entire runtime. Wow. I'm I'm being mean, Mo. You're not wrong, though. <laughs> Esper and Donna, Mo, are in a hotel now. I don't know why or how, but I guess they decided that they're going to go to a hotel. And he's trying to make out with her in the hallway, and she's kind of pushing him off. And he's like, what's your problem? And then he says something very romantic. What's he say, Mo? Do you know? I believe he asks her if she's on the rag. He does ask her if she's on the rag. And for our young listeners... He's asking her if she's on her period. So that is yes, why she doesn't want to have sex with this. Because there's nothing women like more than being asked if they're on their period. Yeah. I mean, why else wouldn't she want to have sex with this Bruce Willis looking motherfucker? Right. You know, this this Viking filmmaker. <laughs> so he seems like horny but fine outside. But as soon as he gets inside the hotel room, he just loses his mind and starts smashing shit. But we, we can't actually hear what he's saying. The implication is that he's upset about the fact that Donna was raped and doesn't know like the details of it. And then it just cuts to him in in a bathtub, bleeding from the forehead. I don't know how that happened. And then he says to her, tell me every detail. You exclude not one thing. And then, even though we've seen a montage of her being raped earlier, she says all the things that happened uh, in regards to Larry raping her. And it's really unpleasant and it's super unnecessary. Right. But because he's now heard this, Esper's decided that he has to kill Larry, which I guess is not that uh, – it's, it's actually – you can kind of understand why he'd feel that way. Because Larry is trying to kill him, has raped his girlfriend, and seems like a complete monster in every capacity. Is this movie over yet? It's getting there. <laughs> she also, by the way, in this sequence, Donna reveals to Esper that she's pregnant. She goes, I'm pregnant too. She's pregnant, Mo. The next sequence. Oh, that's funny. I'm pregnant. <laughs> the next sequence is this really nice crane shot of uh, Esper and. Is it, that actually, that, honestly, that is a, it's a really good shot. It is a nice shot of them, of Esper and Donna having sex in uh, uh, like the back of a pickup truck. Um, it's an El Camino. Oh, I'm sorry. In the back of an El Camino. Then it cuts to Donna being kissed by Dominique, and then we realize that that actually was all part of a dream. So he, mm-hmm. after having sex with Donna, he had a dream about having sex with Donna, which, I mean, I guess they like each other, but he also really wants her to have sex with Dominique. Clearly. He's a complex guy is what I'm trying to say, Mo. <laughs> He's a complicated man. Yeah. Nobody understands him, period. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Certainly not exactly. me. <laughs> Esper wakes up in the hotel. He goes into the bathroom, washes his hands, and then he sees the pregnancy test there. And that would have been a great reveal if he already wasn't told that she was pregnant. So I don't know why the fuck <laughs> he looks at it, right? Right. He, Honestly, yeah. I didn't hear. I didn't hear her say that she was pregnant. First, it didn't register in my brain when it happened. Mm-hmm. So when he. So when he washes his hands and there's the pregnancy test, I thought that was the reveal, which that would have made a lot great. more sense. Yeah, now that I'm hearing that she had already said it, I'm like, this is idiotic. But that's this movie. Next up is the best scene in the whole movie. 
Larry's on the phone <laughs> talking to a guy named Rod. He wants to get the urine analysis for uh, Esper's father because he still he's, he doesn't know yet that it came back dirty. In the room bursts Esper with a gun, pointing it at Larry, who who has to hang up the phone. I like the guy on the other side, the other line, the, the guy named Rod. He's like, hey, is everything okay? And he just hangs up on him. <laughs> Esper points the gun at Larry, makes him stand up, and then he says this. Hang up the damn phone! Is everything? Stand up. What? Is everything? Stand up. Okay, 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 okay. Drop your pants, I want to see your penis. What? <laughs> Drop your goddamn pants, I want to see your penis! <laughs> <laughs> I think this movie is killing Doug. <laughs> so he really wants to see his penis. Drop your pants. I want to see your penis. The reason he wants to see his penis is so he can shoot it with the gun. He's, he points it and he goes, this is for Brandon, my girl, you narco swan piece of shit. And then he tries to shoot his dick, but his gun doesn't have any bullets in it because Donna took him out. And he didn't check him <laughs> like a fucking idiot before he came in there. And so he runs out the door. Runs to Donna, who goes, "Did you kill him?" And she go, "He goes, no, it wasn't loaded. Can you believe that?" And that's the whole scene. It's pretty terrific. Well, he like, yeah, he like gives the gun to her and like shoves her into the passenger side, and he's like, "Load that gun yeah. and keep it loaded." You think he would have just taken the gun and then went back in and shot Larry? Yeah. Not to mention the fact that Larry is in fact a police officer. Yeah. You know, I mean a a bad one, but still a police officer. So he has a gun on him. Sorry. Are you trying to tell me, so, that, are you trying to tell me at the moment that there are some good police officers out there? Uh, <laughs> I blue, hey, blue, blue light. Oh blue. shit. Uh, <laughs> but, Spoiler uh, alert. No, they don't. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're coming out to the yeah. end of the movie, Mo. We're getting there. Yeah. I'm going to run through this. But why didn't he just, but I don't – yeah, we're going to we're just fly through the end of the fucking movie. But my last point is Larry has a fucking gun. Yeah. Why didn't – why wouldn't Larry chase after Esper and fucking shoot him? Why wouldn't Larry just call the police and say someone just tried to kill me and have Esper arrested by a police force? Yeah, right? Right? At this point? Why not? Remember, wasn't the whole point is that he was like – Esper's going to end up back in jail anyway. I know it. And it's like, well, here's a good reason to put him back in jail. Right. <sighs> so, next scene is Esper in a car with Dominique. He tells her to sell the rest of the dope that him, uh, Esper, Nick and Donna are going to Mexico and that she's not welcome. So they say they're going to split it 50-50 and then get the fuck out of there. I don't know why he doesn't like Dominique anymore. There's no... We haven't been told that they had some sort of falling out, but I guess it just happened. I See... See, I don't think that they have a. I don't think that they had a falling out. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna lay some psychology uh, out here. Please, I I think that Esper is worried that if he gives into his primal fantasies of Donna and Dominique going at it, that he's going to lose Donna to oh, Dominique. Oh. Let's face Let's face facts. Dominique is a much more interesting person yeah. than Esper. Actually, if, if this was a movie about Donna and Dominique's relationship, making meth and like escaping, Ooh. I mean, that would be, that's way more interesting. Way more interesting. So Esper and Dominique go I'm to a place called the Blue Room, Mo. 
and it's like a restaurant. And oh wait, no, no, sorry. That's if you want to sell meth at this restaurant, all you have to do. What do you have to do, Mo? You have to say something to the waitress. What is it? Uh, it's like you I, have to order like an or, an orange soda and a slice of cherry pie or an something. Orange soda, a soda, and a piece of cherry pie. That's the code. Except here's the thing, Mo. That sounds delicious. I would totally order that. That does sound delicious. <laughs> yeah. She goes once you tell. Could you them- imagine being a could you be, imagine being an unsuspecting patron of that particular establishment and uh, going in and ordering that, and next thing you know, you're being hand delivered some fucking meth. It's like it's like it's like a seven year old kid. I want an orange juice and a piece of cherry pie. Bald guy comes out like, oh, how much shit do you want, huh? What's going on? <laughs> so she, uh, Dominique, orders this. Esper goes to the bathroom, and this bald guy is like staring holes in him as he goes to the bathroom. And Esper does drugs in the bathroom because why the fuck not? Yeah. As this is occurring, Nick is back in the drug den. And uh, so is Donna. But Nick is really, really high. And he has, I guess, a dream about a SWAT team arriving. And uh, then he wakes up thinking that he's heard gunshots. He looks at the television, Mo, and it's broken. And not only is it broken, Mo, what does he see on the television screen? Oh, I don't even remember. It's a scary face. A scary demon face is superimposed on the screen, and it looks wow. fucking terrible. You might recognize this face, Mo, because we're going to see it again in actually just a few minutes, and I'll tell you when we do. Oh, in the Orphan Killer? Oh, I don't. I haven't seen the Orphan Killer's mask. It's fucking terrible. <coughs> no, no, it's defined horror for the 21st century. Didn't they say the same thing about Leslie Vernon? Oh, well, I, that movie's good, though. That movie's great. Yeah, and they're making a sequel. Aren't they? <laughs> anyway, yeah. So let's talk about that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Nick is freaking the fuck out, um, and he so he freaks out. He he goes to the bathroom where Donna is just getting off the toilet, and when he looks in the toilet, he sees blood down there. But he's just it's just like a fantasy. It's just in his head, and then he starts screaming yeah. about her having killed a baby. Um, and, right, and and then. And this is the most Gorno-esque moment of this movie. (laughs) 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 Oh, my God. Did I mention that Matt Farnsworth also appeared on Fox News in 2006? Because back then, Tucker Carlson wasn't on Fox News. But he also appeared on Fox News. Anyway, in a completely unrelated thing, he pulls a fetus out of the toilet. (laughs) It starts holding it. It starts stroking it. Yeah. It is the dumbest. Fuck me. It is the dumbest thing you've ever seen. At least top ten. Uh, I've seen some pretty dumb shit. I was gonna say I've seen some pretty dumb shit. Back at I, I do I do live in Florida. <laughs> back at the restaurant with Esper and Dominique, as Esper comes out of the bathroom, the bald guy says that uh, he can't be in there today with that bitch. He says that he's had his burrito inside of her. Mo. Oh, racism! Nice. Yeah, but he said it about himself. So, but it was written by a white guy. I don't know. So yeah. Esper, Esper. He gives him the he flips him the bird mo right in his face. He flips him, and uh, this guy he tosses Esperanto a pool table. Esper picks up a pool ball. <laughs> <It's> Esperanto. <laughs> he tosses Esperanto. <laughs> Esperanto picks up a pool ball and smashes the guy with it, and they have uh, a, they have a sissy slap fight. It's fucking pathetic. 
Uh, and Hesper at one point grabs a dart off a dartboard and is going to stab the guy in the head with it. <laughs> but then a guy grabs him from behind and puts him on a table. And uh, and uh, this dude, uh, who was the bald guy, he says, I'm going to cut this guy. And he takes out a switchblade. And that's when he says this. Don't ever sell where Ramrod sells. <laughs> we remember. Sekar <laughs> Ramrod. Sekar Se- Ramrod. Oh, you didn't say it. Oh, didn't uh. I? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you guys say meow? I could say meow. I'll tell this guy. I'll call this guy a chicken fucker. License, License registration. registration. Chicken, chicken fucker. <laughs> <laughs> so we both seen that movie way too many times. <laughs> So Ramrod uh, is apparently a competing drug dealer, and he's very upset. And the end of that sequence uh, involves him cutting off Esper's finger, Mo. It's not a very good effect. It, <laughs> it's no uh, rock, paper, scissors, follow the original six. No. So Nick, back at the drug den, Nick is still freaking out, and he's uh, pushing Donna's face into like a pile of drugs. He picks up a knife, starts smashing up the whole place, and she retaliates Mo by doing what? Um, yeah, she sprays him in the dick with that. With like, with that stuff that they stole. Right. The corrosive acid liquid stuff. So she burns his dick. Which if anybody was paying attention, this is now the second time that Nick has been sprayed with whatever that corrosive substance is. He's not a lucky guy. No. So it looks for a second like he's gone, like like he's dead. But no, he, he pops up, he grabs her and he holds a knife to Donna's throat. Back at the restaurant, a lot of cutting back and forth here, Mo. It's very complex stuff. Esper's very upset about having his finger cut off. Ramrod, not the smartest guy. After cutting his finger off, he just leaves the switchblade on the table as if Esper has somehow passed out from his finger being cut off. But instead, Esper picks up the switchblade and stabs Ramrod in the stomach uh, and kills him. As you do. As you do. And then Dominique comes in and she grabs something from Ramrod, but I don't know what it is. Yep. I don't know what the fuck that was all about. So I don't know if she got what they came there to get or like, I don't know what the fuck this whole sequence was supposed to be about. <sighs> but Esper does what you do when someone cuts your finger off. He puts a big glove on it and then duct tapes all around it. <laughs> My favorite well, part about this is that the duct tape isn't like even neatly put around like his wrist. Mm-hmm. Like it goes like up and over. this. <laughs> I don't know why he couldn't he couldn't have gone to a hospital in this case. Right? Uh, well, they probably would have drug tested him and then they probably would have also realized that they now have a stabbing victim and a guy who had his finger cut off. Oh right, he killed that guy. I forgot yeah. about that. So Esper goes back to the drug house and now all of our plots are going to kind of collide. It's a it's a collision course of wackiness. He yeah. goes in Nick is sitting on the floor of the kitchen with a knife against Donna's throat, and he's still tweaking like a motherfucker. Mm-hmm. As Esper comes in, Mo, he looks up into Esper's face, and his face turns into a demon face, Mo. Ruh-ro. Do you see, remember I this? Missed, see, I missed this too. Like, I, I, like, what the hell? I must, I, you know, I must have been typing. Because, you, know, you know me, I, I'm not like a professional typist. I do the hunt and peck method where I have to look mm-hmm. at the keyboard while I'm doing it. So, Well, I don't need to again, do that, gotta... Mo, because it is literally my job. <laughs> yeah. well. uh, I will tell you this, Mo. The first thing that happened is after I saw this stupid 
awful looking demon face. I immediately went to the released version of Iowa to see if it was in that as well, and it is not. They took the demon face out of this part, though it's in the TV part, so you can still see it, listeners, if you get a copy of Iowa. Mm. Esper, he's there, he's, he's talking Nick down, he's like, remember when we were kids and we were running around and you got your tooth stuck in my head or some stupid shit? And eventually Nick's like, oh my gosh, you're right. And Esper's like, you got Donna here, man. And he's like, oh my gosh. And he lets Donna go. And then he apologizes to Esper. He's like, I'm sorry, man. I took too much. When Donna gets off of his, like gets up from the floor, we then see his mangled genitals. It's fucking horrific. <laughs> he, he, like, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. As a man, if that had happened to me, I would do the exact same thing that Nick does here. In a less <sighs> melodramatic fashion. Just saying. Nick has Nick doesn't just have his dick burned off. Like his entire lower extremities are all fucked up. Yeah. Um he's he's in a bad a bad place. Um and and he looks up at Esper, his best friend in the world, and he says <laughs> He says this. Do me a favor. Name it. <laughs> When you join me in hell, bring my dick with you. That is such so, a brutal fucking moment, though. Like, like when because because what he ends up doing is he ends up jabbing the knife directly into his neck, you know, and just like severing the fucking jugular, and it is brutal as shit it's, it's brutal and it's it honestly i'll give uh matt uh Farnsworth credit he really sells it he's like oh my god like he seems really upset by it however yeah. it's hard not to remember that fucking line that oh yeah, stupid, yeah right stupid that line, line. <laughs> that line is so fucking dumb so fucking dumb talk about undermining like the dramatic peak yeah. of the entire movie right <laughs> um <laughs> Donna's dad. By the way, you know Dominique, the character? She's gone from the rest of the movie. We never see her again. Probably for the better. Yeah. So Donna's dad is at home reminiscing about the good times. <laughs> he looks out the window and he sees a car pull up, Mo. It's Esper and Donna. Donna is there basically to pack up her shit so they can get out of town. He sees this. He stops her. And then he grabs, well, he doesn't really, he just lets her in the house. And then Esper and him, uh, he grabs Esper, tosses him into the backseat of his car. They drive off, and he treats him like a puppy that is unwanted and just brings him back to the middle of nowhere and just drops him out, out of the car. Right. Is that correct? I, not really. It's not really correct. He just drops, he brings Esper back I, to his own house. Yeah. I think he actually drops him off at Effie's house. At Effie's house. Yeah, well, which I think yeah. is supposed to be his, I mean, his home. Right. Um, and he says that if he ever sees his daughter again, he's going to kill him. And I think he also says he'll give him his car back tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, he does. Yeah. So he goes, don't move. Stay there. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't expect that to work. And boy, th- does it not. <laughs> so yeah. Esper, mm-hmm. Esper at home, uh, he bursts into the bathroom where his mom is uh, peeing. Once again, someone bursting into a bathroom in this movie. 
Um, mm. And he asks her how long she's been sleeping with Larry. He has discovered that she has a relationship with Larry because apparently he goes, the guy who left his cigarettes out there. And I'm like, shouldn't they have shown us that? Right. What a weird, like, this is a like a confrontational moment about him discovering this thing, but we don't see him discover it. He just bursts into the fucking bathroom. He goes, you're a traitor, Mom. He raped Donna. He tried to kill me, too. So he grabs a picture of himself and then steals her car. And she goes, where are you going? He goes, Mexico! (laughs) (laughs) And then just, like, revs the fuck out of the engine. Where are you going? Mexico! (laughs) Donna, I guess her father, like, did nothing to stop her. Uh, Or maybe she got out of there before he got back. But Donna has a big suitcase full of clothes. She's walking downtown, and she is having, like, these fantasy sequences. Yeah, she's of this, super tweaked out. Yeah, yeah, of, of Nick and Esper. They're, like, ahead of her, like, motioning her forward. And then they, like, go to, like, this, um, like, local country fair or something like that. They're all dancing around. But, of course, it's, it's, uh, it's just a fantasy. And we see her that she's basically just walking out of town next to, like, some train tracks. So there's a moment where she kind of crosses the train tracks, and there's a train coming. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm not going to lie. I thought she was going to get hit by the train. <laughs> I really thought she was going to get hit by the train. Man, <laughs> not even once. <laughs> <laughs> so Esper's mom, she's at home. She's really upset about the fact that Esper left. Larry arrives and he gives her the bad news that, uh, well, b- first she's like, our 200 grand is walking out of town, meaning Esper. And he's like, there is no 200,000. The fucking piss came back dirty. He pulls her down to her knees and tells her to look at his dick because this is the last time you'll ever look at it. I'm starting to think this Larry's kind of a bad guy. Yeah, yeah I mean, you know, I, I mean, the, I've met worse. This is Rosanna Arquette's like big moment, and let's hear her nail it. I was willing to kill my son for you. <laughs> and this is how you pay me back? Larry? Larry? Maybe. Christ, get the fuck off of me. So, she uh, she never really, she doesn't redeem herself in any way. She just, Larry just leaves her. Um, mm-hmm. And that's that's what happens. So and that's a wrap for Mrs. Arquette. Everyone clap. <laughs> <laughs> Esper pulls up next to Donna. They embrace and then they fuck in his car. This is a really strange sex sequence. He keeps asking her if he's hurting her. Do you know what I'm talking about here, Mo? Yeah. It kind of seems like they're supposed to have been having sex for the first time, but we saw them have sex earlier. Right. I don't really know what... I guess the idea is that this is the first time they've had sex since she was raped. So, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It, it's unpleasant in a lot of different levels. But they drive out of town, Mo, and the music gets like really kind of nice, and she like throws the rest of their drugs out the window... And it's like this there's is that, it's there's actually there's a great shot here too from mm-hmm. like up above the car while it's driving and she throws the drugs out the window and there's this big white cloud that comes out of the uh the passenger side <laughs> door and it's it's actually like a really great shot. I should I will edit in like a shot of this kid on a tricycle on the side of the street getting this face. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> Like, I know Matt Farnsworth cares about the meth epidemic in Iowa. This makes it look like you can just, like, just, like, 
not be addicted to it. <laughs> like, all you have to do right. is make the decision, and then you're just done with it. Uh, right. Because you'll just throw it out the window. So they are literally feet from the state line, Mo. And then Larry shows up, and he has a shotgun. I don't know what Larry's plan is here. I guess he's just upset. So he's going to kill Esper and Donna. So he shoots their car as it goes. And there is a nice kind of stunt where the car spins around and smoke pours out of it. And the um, uh, the front part. What's the, what, what's the word I'm looking for here? Hood. The hood flies up. The front part. Hey, I came up with the word, Mo. You were a lot of help just then. <laughs> I'm never a lot of help. The car comes to a stop. Larry, uh, Larry's approaching the car. We have uh, Esper and Donna in the front seat. Esper pops out of the front, starts shooting. Um, he, I think he does hit Larry once, but Larry has a yeah, shotgun yeah. and yeah, shotgun. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Larry gets hit in the leg, but Larry has a shotgun and he shoots Esper right in the chest, uh, pretty much immediately killing him. It appears. Donna, who it cuts to Donna's face and she doesn't look that upset at all, but then she screams, "No!" Goes outside with a pistol. And uh, shoots Larry, and <laughs> so she Larry. All the, she crushes all the computers in the uh, in the in the operating room with her mind. <laughs> no. no. So she kills Larry by shooting him. Mo, now I need you to clear something up for me. Larry sure. falls to his knees. Oh yeah, and then he says this. Raindrop. Why does he say that? I don't know. Why does he say raindrop? Um, I don't know. So she just. Oh, I, I know why. I know why. Because he's because he's a big fan of the Migos. <laughs> that makes as much sense as anything else. I mean, I was waiting for just some like group of kids in the background to go drop top. <laughs> so uh, Donna uh, stands over his corpse, uh, shoots the rest of her bullets into him, and her gun goes click. She goes and holds Esper's corpse as the screen goes black and white. And then there's some shots of clouds, and it made me think of how much I've been playing Red Dead Redemption 2 lately. <laughs> <laughs> Esper, who is dead, we see him wake up in a cornfield, Mo. Then he sits up, then he starts pushing through the corn. Yeah, he has his uh, shoeless Joe moment. That's right. That's right. (laughs) And what does he see as he exits the cornfield, Mo? He sees a pregnant and naked Donna waiting for him. Yes, so pregnant, naked Donna is there. He goes over, lays his head against her stomach, and uh, she says something like, of course I'm with you. And then it just cuts back to her holding his corpse, Mo, and then it cuts to the closing credits. The fucking end. That's the end of Iowa, Mo, from the year 2005. Uh, which is somehow... It somehow me- manages to be pretentious and uh, completely fucking stupid at the same time. Yep. I... Not that this, they're mutually exclusive. That, that's a good point. That is a good point. <laughs> this is not a terribly made movie. Except... Mm-hmm. 
Except in some ways it is, because the motivations of the characters are almost always complete mysteries. It's like entire scenes are here that have no purpose, and then there are lots, lots of scenes that you would expect to be here that just aren't. Like, like to, well, to explain yeah. the transition from one sequence to another. But here's the thing. The scenes that are there are well-produced. It's just that the story is lacking, the acting is terrible, the you know, the script is pure dog shit and, you know, like everything else about the movie is fucking terrible. Yeah. But yeah. on a technical level, it's a well-made movie. For the most part, right? I mean, like the cinematography yeah. is actually very nice. It makes yeah. Iowa to look like a shitty place to live, but I think that's the point. Uh, the, the sound is competent all the way through. I, th- You know, I'm just going to say, Matt Farnsworth pr- for, <laughs> Matt Farnsworth's performance in the lead is not a good performance, but it's not embarrassing. He does not no. embarrass himself in the lead outside of what he has to say and do as that character. Exactly. Um, exactly. But there are things like some of the montages and particularly that demon face, which unfortunately you, you did not get to see. But I well, I guess I'm going to take a screenshot and put it up on the uh, on the Facebook group. Sure. That that shows that there is a lack of technical aptitude at the core of this, or at least the ability to make good decisions. To Matt's credit, the things that he took out of this movie after that screening were things that did not need to be there. The only problem is there's also a whole lot of other stuff that did not need to be here that remained in the movie. If you, listener, go and see Iowa, if you get a copy of it on DVD and you watch it, almost everything we've said um, will still apply. There's only a couple of sequences that are different. It is not a totally different movie. It, Whatever our feelings on this version of it is, are, it, they would echo almost exactly what we would say about that other version. Yeah, I, I wasn't sure that was going to be the case. This is not a you know this did not get drastically improved by that initial screening. Uh, it, all it was was kind of trimmed down to cut out some of the particularly unnecessary stuff, and they changed the opening credits to make it a little bit more uh, coherent. But this is a poor movie. This is a bad movie, Mo. Exactly, and uh, it's it's. I'm sh- I don't know much about the meth epi- epidemic in Iowa. I don't know if it's still as much of a problem now or if it's worse uh, or if it's spread uh, up, from, up from the point of 2005 when this came out. But uh, I will say that if you're looking for a movie that's meant to show the realistic dangers of meth addiction, this is not it. I know that even though I've never had meth because this becomes too cartoonish in so many ways. You know, it... it all the characters are such pieces of shit. You're also supposed to care about them. Shouldn't we have seen them have some sort of downfall? They're awful from the beginning. Yeah. So what I'm trying to say, Mo, is that Iowa... It owes me an IOU uh. for... Uh, <laughs> for uh, for Actually, I never paid for this. This was sent by our Patreon subscriber. So... Iowa's just uh, not worth your time. However, uh, if history is any indication, some of you will probably still purchase a copy so you can watch it. Well, I'll tell you one thing. I certainly, Io, won't be watching this again. That's way better than mine. <laughs> Thank you, uh, th- Yeah, so this is, a, this is uh, an extremely poor movie. Uh, it isn't, like, comically bad from start to finish, but though some of those lines, I think, are, are amusing in how horrible they are. 
But well, those- I get a lot. I, I don't know about you, but like whenever I talk about the show and like the movies that we cover on it, like with people who mm-hmm. don't are, aren't familiar, you know, with our podcast, which is the majority of the population. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the first question I almost always get asked is when when I say, oh, well, yeah, well, we're covering, you know, the movie we just covered was was pretty bad. And they'll always be like, oh, like the room bad. And I'll be like, I, I fucking wish. Yeah, I fucking wish. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Though this is this is more in that category, right? This is just yeah. a bad movie like you would might you might like turn on a sci-fi uh made for a sci-fi movie and it being bad. Though this right. is less uh intentionally bad. It's just right. it's kind of hackneyed and incoherent and badly written and with some bad performances. So it's just it's just a regular kind of bad movie compared to the movies that are barely movies that we sometimes cover. So I'm kind of right. glad that we were able to talk about a movie like this. Though it uh, it is not going to become standard fare for no budget nightmares moving forward. Yes. So uh, I think uh, if I had to summarize my thoughts on Iowa, I would be like, eh. <laughs> 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 uh, I couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> uh, as we've mentioned, uh, as we mentioned already, uh, Matt Farnsworth is now a life coach and a very beefed up, jacked up gentleman. So if you uh, want, if he is listening right now and is upset about some of the things we said and some of the Please comments we made, <laughs> just remember that Mo Porn lives in what Daytona Beach. <laughs> hey, hey, man! <laughs> Sadly, I think yeah. I'm I'm easier to track down than you are. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you mean up there in Peterboro? Never heard of the place. I don't think it exists. Never heard of- <laughs> Uh, sorry, Matt, you made a bad movie. I haven't seen The Orphan Killer. It's possible it's much better. I do know that some people, and I think even on our Facebook group, mentioned having seen it and liking it. So, and and I mean, let's face it, it was, I think, six years after this movie came out, he made it. So it's fully possible that um, that his skills had improved. And, and, and I mean, there's no reason that he couldn't have made a good movie. However, I should say that Wikipedia entry... <laughs> Is up its own ass enough that I'm skeptical. <laughs> yeah, it's a little suspect, but but that's the great thing about the show, and we say it all the time. We just because we didn't like one movie by a director doesn't mean that we're going to discount all of the movies by the director. So I, I actually I mean, legit I, legit probably will see The Orphan Killer just to see. Yeah, I'll probably watch it too at some point. You know, I mean, I don't know when, but I'll I'll watch it at some point. I'm, I'm definitely going to go watch Behind the Mask, the uh, the Rise of Leslie Vernon <laughs> again first. But I mean. You know, <laughs> he's the voice of our generation. Mo, what are we watching on the next episode of No Budget Nightmares? Oh, it's funny that you would ask because I actually brought up the IMDb page while we were <laughs> Me too. Uh, <laughs> we will be discussing. We're going back to the classics. We're going back to the trough that is Todd Sheets. The filmography of the great knows, Todd Sheets. Everybody knows how much we love the great and wonderful Todd. So we will be covering 1997's Violent New Breed. Violent New Breed from the year 1997. Oh, uh, I just looked at the running time on this. Oh, man. How long is it? it it's it's an hour and 54 minutes. God <laughs> no, damn it, Todd. No, it's not. I'm, I'm looking at it right now. It's 114 minutes. Oh, okay. Because my IMDb page just says... Really? I'm looking at the IMDb page, too. Oh, maybe there's two IMDb pages. That's crazy. Uh, it is timely for us to be watching Violent New Breed, Mo, because the uh, the Dolomite biopic 
is going to be uh, released on Netflix this year, the upcoming one. It looks actually really good. I think it actually looks super interesting. Great cast, great director, great writer. Um, so, and of course, Rudy Ray Moore himself appears in Violent New Breed. Indeed. Indeed, directed and written by Todd Sheets. It's 1997's Violent New Breed on the next episode of No Budget Nightmares. Mo, if people want to check out more about No Budget Nightmares, uh, what's the best way for them to do so? Oh, I mean, obviously they're going to want to hop onto that old Facebook thing there. What? Social media. Search. Yeah, social media. We're the... We got it going on. Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> you can go uh, do a search for No Budget Nightmares uh, or go to facebook.com slash groups slash No Budget Nightmares, all one word. That's right. And you can also check out No Budget Nightmares on Twitter at No Budget Podcast, all one word. Uh, and I can't remember. I wasn't really listening. Did you tell people to go to NoBudgetPodcast.com? I didn't. Well, go to NoBudgetPodcast.com. You can find all the subscription information as well as our uh, archive of episodes, something like... Uh, 114 archived episodes on there right now. This is 115. And we are making a commitment, folks. This is, we're back on our groove. We we have gotten our groove back. We're going to try to get out at least two episodes out every month. We'll see if that's a, (laughs) a, a achievable goal for 2019, but hey, it won't, it won't be. We'll we'll try our best. We won't try, but we'll try to try. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Mo, do you have any other uh, projects or work out there people should be aware of? Uh, not currently. I mean, you know, the uh, the alt nerd obsessive is planning on coming back at some point. Um, it's just a matter of sort of the logistics of it all. We're still putting videos up on YouTube. Um, you know, whenever we play Dead by Daylight or whatever. Uh, so feel free to go check out. Uh, I believe it's alt nerd obsessive podcast on. That's the name of the channel on YouTube. Um, you know, videos get posted up there pretty regularly. So, you know, and, and, uh, honestly, like, you know, we don't get a lot of views or anything like that because we're a very, very small fish, um, in a medium sized lake. But, uh, you know, we, we've, we've gotten some really positive feedback lately, which is Great. very, very encouraging. Um, and actually I've got some, I've got some big plans for, oh. for, for early 2019 that involve, uh, streaming more. So, Ba-boom. you know, keep, keep an eye out for that. Uh, if you, if you're not familiar with my Twitch stream, uh, you can find me at not very good six, six, six. There you go. Check that out. Uh, you can also check out my other podcast. Eric Roberts is the fucking man over at Eric Roberts is the man.com or on Twitter at ERITFM. Uh, we recently announced, uh, on our most recent episode that, um, we're on the final 10 episodes ever, uh, po- potentially ever of Eric Roberts is the fucking man where we just finished episode wow. 90 and we are going to bring things to a close with episode 100. Uh, if you want to hear the details on that, check us out at Eric Roberts is the man.com. Uh, of course there's more to come. And I recently, um, uh, helped launch our, a new podcast over at cinepunks.com called the flight stuff about the comic book series, alpha flight, the Canadian superhero team. Uh, you can check that out. Uh, look up Flight Stuff Pod, I believe, on Twitter, or just go over to Cinepunks and check out our first episode, which is available right now. And of course, I don't think I mentioned it yet, Mo. You can be found on Twitter at Drunk on VHS, all one word, and I'm there Drunk. at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T I L L E. Why? Why? Mo, have you seen anything interesting movie wise lately? No. <laughs> I, re- I really haven't. I've I've been thoroughly, thoroughly neglecting my film watching lately. 
Um, I did watch six seasons of Letterkenny, though. Oh, I, another <clears throat> more Canadian content here on the show. Absolutely, that show is fucking hilarious. So I I've never very... watched. I've never watched an episode, but I, I used to watch the the skits, the sketches they used to do before the show started, and I really got to get on that. Yeah, you should watch it. I think you'd. Uh, I think you'd probably get a kick out of it. I, I thought it was. I'm very familiar with small towns in Ontario, so maybe it's something I'd be able to relate to. Exactly. Could be. Mo, I did see a movie called Black Klansman, uh, directed by Spike Lee. Uh, the true life story about a uh, police officer uh, who worked with a group going undercover to uh, to infiltrate the KKK. And I very much enjoyed it. Uh, it's, a, it's a very funny movie at times, a hard watch at other times. And there is a kicker at the very end that just blew me away. It just left me shaking. It was so intense. Uh, very much a movie worthwhile. Uh, seeing and checking out if you get the opportunity. And I think it's available on DVD now, so everyone should do it, Mo. I'll definitely check it out. I've been meaning to watch. I've been meaning. I've been wanting to see that uh, anyway. Um, I'm actually going to be going to the theaters real soon. I don't go to the theaters. Yeah, I don't go to the theater very often. Did you call it theaters uh, as opposed to theater? I'm going to go to the theater. (laughs) Um, I'm going to I'm going to visit the cinema. Uh, if you will, I, I want to go see um, the kid who would be king. Oh, okay, it looks super fun. It looks super fun. Yeah, that's the that's the new. Um, uh, what's his name? Joe, not Joe Castro. Mm. <laughs> Joe Cornish, <laughs> right? The director of uh, Attack the Block. Joe Cornish's new movie. Oh, is it? I yeah, I'm not. I'm. I don't know anything about it. I just remember I watched. <laughs> remember when you used to know stuff about movies, Mo. <laughs> Yeah, dude, that was like five years ago. No <laughs> joke. Like, you mean what? You mean when we started this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> that was, yeah, pretty much, pretty much. <clears throat> I I've been so bad. I, like my motivation to like just watch. To, I used to just watch movies all the time. Like I remember, like it was like 2012 or 2013 or whatever it was where I watched like 700 movies that year. And now it's just like I, I think last year I probably watched. 40 the entire year 40 is 40 <laughs> just a fuck just a fucking joke you know I, I, I this year i'll i'll um i'll get myself back on track get your shit together mo we got movies to watch including well, violent well there's a metric <laughs> yeah there's a metric shit ton of movies coming out in theaters this year that i want to see so i hear you i hear you there's yeah. look it's the thing about the end of the year the end of 2018 it's just like I gotta catch up. There's so many things I gotta see, and then I just played Red right. Dead Redemption Two and watched episodes of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, and I barely saw any of them. Right. But I will know. 2019 is my year, and I'm gonna start it off with Violent New Breed from the year 1997, which we're gonna feature on the next episode, Mo, of No Budget Nightmares. I think it's time for us to say good night. We've earned it. Good night, folks. Good night. Do me a favor. Name it. When you join me in hell, bring my dick with you. <laughs> <laughs>